You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Continuing with our series on good news, and there's so much good news. There's an awful lot of bad news, but that's not what we're here for, because we've got some really good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. And um, I want to start with a question this morning. And the question is this. There's a series of battles on here. If we're going to put those up, that'd be great. What do they have in common? They're all battles. Any ideas what they have in common? What these battles have in common? Sorry? Well, yeah, they're all about conflict. Battles against the odds. You're not far off. You're not far off. Give that man a... Anyway, these are all battles where, for most of the time, the battle looked like it was being lost. And yet, at the very end, it was won. Okay? They were battles against the odds, against overwhelming odds, and yet they still won. What looked like certain defeat became an amazing victory. And so as we continue our series on the good news, this is the headline that I came up with. We can put the headline up. Victory snatched from the jaws of of, of defeat saves billions. Now, it could well, if we're up with the news and what's going on, it could be to do with this guy. So, here's a man who six weeks ago was defeated, lost the prime ministerial battle to Liz Truss, and thought that's the end of his career. Six weeks later, there he is at number 10. And hopefully he'll save us billions. (laughs) But hey, it's not about him. I'm talking about the most amazing victory in the history of mankind. This one. The victory of the cross. The victory of Jesus over Satan. See, this was a battle without comparison. It was a battle that had the greatest impact on mankind ever. And it is without question a battle and a victory that has saved and will save billions of people. I love the fact that God goes before us. I had this on my heart a number of weeks ago, quite a few weeks ago. And I don't know if the musicians even knew what I was sharing on. But the very first song and songs thereafter pointed us to the cross, which is what I'm talking about. This is, no, this is how we know what love is. Just one look. At your cross. 
They think, okay, Lord, I'm on the right lines this morning. Now, the thing is about the news. I don't know if any of you read newspapers at all. I gave up reading newspapers because I didn't, but I didn't trust their perspective. Does that make sense? Because you've got different papers that bring different perspectives. So I thought, well, what would it be like if we thought about the perspective of the cross? So I'm going to look at three perspectives of the cross this morning, very, very quickly. Firstly, the perspective from the followers of Jesus, the disciples at the time who witnessed the crucifixion of of Jesus. What was their perspective of what they saw? Well, many of these people had walked with Jesus for over three years. They'd seen him perform amazing miracles, healings, raising people from the dead. They'd heard about the kingdom of God that he was going to bring. They heard about a God um, that they could find for themselves. And he even told them what was going to happen. He said to them that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. So they were given what was going to happen. They knew what was going to happen. So why then, when they saw what went on, was their perspective to flee, to run away, fear, Because that's what happened. Fear gripped them and they ran. So clearly the perspective they had of the cross was not one of victory, but one of defeat. They didn't understand what Jesus had said. They couldn't grasp what was going on. They were overwhelmed. There was their leader on the cross, nailed, dying. And so I imagine to many of them, what they saw was the end of the kingdom, the end of this potential uh, new way of living, that the Roman authorities had won. That their usurpers had won. So that is a perspective that I think many of them had. So what about Satan's perspective? There we go. What do you think he saw? What do you think he was looking at? And what was going through him? When he saw Jesus on the cross. Now, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing specific that says what, it, what he said or did or what he thought. But I want to look at two possible perspectives that he might have had here. Firstly, when he saw Jesus dying on the cross, maybe he saw his point of victory. Finally, God was going to die. Finally, Jesus, who everyone had put their hope in, was going to be no more. He had won. 
his kingdom, his rule, the kingdom of darkness would be the one that everyone would now be under because the king was dead. Long live the king, Satan. So maybe that was the point of view that he had. That was a perspective. Or maybe, maybe he thought, you know what? I think God is a liar. I do not believe that God unconditionally loves man so much that he is prepared to die for them. And so maybe he was there going, any minute now, any minute now, God's going to take him off that tree. God's going to remove him from that cross. Somehow he's going to use his power so that he won't die. And that will prove that God is a liar because he's not prepared to unconditionally die for mankind. So maybe that's what he saw. Maybe that's what he thought. But either way, I believe he saw that at this point, his was the victory and Jesus and God were the defeated ones. So what about God's perspective? How do we think God saw all this? To God, the cross was the final act of self-sacrificial love that freed man from the consequences of sin and in so doing, finally defeated Satan. Isn't that good news? That is God's perspective. It didn't take God by surprise. When we look at that, it says victory snatched from the jaws of defeat. Actually, I think that's wrong. I think we should change it. Can we just flip to the next slide? You see, I think it should be this. Defeat snatched from the jaws of victory saves billions. Why? Because when the angels and the, and the devil and all the powers and principalities and even the people that were there saw what was going on, what they saw was potential defeat. That we were that close to the devil, to Satan, winning. But we were never that close because God has always been in control. God always knew what would happen. It was Satan who didn't. It was us who didn't. God did. You see, when you look at the cross back then, what looked like the defeat of goodness by evil was in fact the defeat of evil by goodness. He who was overcome became the overcomer. The victim became the victor. And the cross became the throne from which Jesus now rules the world. That's the good news I'm sharing about this morning. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's get, let's get passionate about this. Because if we can't get passionate about what this, what, what this means for us, I don't know what we can get passionate about. The greatest victory ever. 
Recently, I heard a war veteran on a TV program, 98-year-old World War II war veteran. And during the interview, he said that the freedoms we all now enjoy were fought for by his generation. That without that victory, we would not be enjoying the freedoms we have now. Do we agree with that? Absolutely. But we can forget that, can't we? We can forget how it was won. This is on the same, this is the same. The freedom we can have now was won by Jesus on the cross. So, what's this whole thing all about? What is this, what is the cross all about? What is this whole thing about freedom all about? Well, I just want to go through some of the biblical basis of this victory. What does it stand for? What has it done? What has the cross achieved? Because that's what we can walk in today. Well, firstly, we need to understand that before the crucifixion, before the cross, before Jesus died, mankind was under the law of sin and death. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve by their disobedience. And it's been passed down every generation ever since. We are all subject to the law of sin and death. It's a bit like gravity. We're all subject to the law of gravity. No matter who's born, when they were born, how they were born, we all live under the law of gravity, do we not? Unless you happen to be Superman. Although there is one Superman I know, that's Jesus. But we're under that law. We can't change that. And it's the same with the law of sin and death. When there is sin, doing things that are opposite to what God wants us to do, the way we want to live, there is a consequence and the consequence is death. The law of sin and death. John says this. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Great. But he also says this. When people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. They're under that law. Who has been sinning since the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. And the power of the devil was broken at the cross. The power, his power was broken at the cross. You see, Jesus predicted what would happen. And he said this, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Has come. Not will come. Has come. And at the Last Supper, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of judgment. Why? Because the ruler of this world has already been judged. The ruler of this world is Satan. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil 
who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That's what Jesus did. He removed the power of death. And he broke the power of death because he broke the power of the devil at the cross. How did he do that? Colossians 2, it says this, he cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, we all live under sin and death. What Jesus did was take that sin and nail it to the cross. He cancelled the record against each one of us and nailed it to the cross. There are no charges against us anymore. Satan cannot throw anything at us anymore. He's nailed it to the cross. And by doing that, he took away the very weapons that Satan had. That was it. There, are, there is nothing else he can use. He has completely disarmed them. It's like, uh, I was watching something the other day, and um, they were using a, you know, taking out a gun and everything else, and they removed the bullet from the gun. Well, there ain't no, you know, he can point the gun. That can be a bit intimidating at times. But there ain't nothing when he pulls the trigger. He's disarmed Satan. It doesn't mean Satan won't try to continue to intimidate, put fear into our hearts, and all the things that you know, we can experience in life. But they are effectively made null and void by the cross. There's no power in them. And that's what the cross has done. You see, through Adam and Eve disobedience, the law of sin and death affected us all. But by Christ's obedience to death, even death on a cross, he fulfilled the law and defeated the devil. And the devil could do nothing about it. There was nothing he could do. Okay? There was nothing he could do. And he had to concede defeat. And he has. So, through the cross, what are some of the... What, what, by doing this, what has the cross given us? What has the cross allowed us to... Uh, to do, to live by. Well, first and foremost, the cross has brought us back into relationship with God. It's said in 2 Corinthians, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Through him, 
Christ. God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We can have relationship with Christ, with, with God, because of the cross of Christ. He's made a way for us to do that. And so every person that puts their faith in Jesus and what he did, the cross, is no longer under the influence of the power of darkness, but is now under the power and authority of the kingdom of light. And there's like a power struggle that goes on in the heavenly realms. Every time somebody says, I commit my life to Jesus today, Today, I believe what Jesus has done for me, and I'm going to live with that belief and that faith from now on. It's almost like there is a, there is a, there is a sort of, a, a, there's a power struggle. There's a, there's a thing going on where at this point, that person is in the kingdom of darkness. Satan's still got him. But the moment that happens and he says, nah, do you know what? I'm going to believe in this. I believe that the cross and what Jesus did has made a way for me to be free. See, the devil can't complain. Well, the devil can complain. He can't argue that. He can't say, no, you can't do that. Yes, he can. And it's like there is this move into the kingdom of light, no longer under the authority, no longer under the power, no longer has to be under submission of Satan and the kingdom of darkness now in the kingdom of light and there's nothing he can do nothing <coughs> at that moment on that cross a hope came that we never had before that is why I believe it is the greatest day in history. It is the greatest victory, the greatest battle ever. Because no matter how difficult life is, no matter how good life is, no matter how things are, we have an absolute guarantee, an absolute certainty of where we will be. Yeah? <laughs> we sang another song there. All about death. Where is your sting? And that comes from the letter to the Corinthians by Paul. And he says this, and it says there, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? He knew that the cross meant that whatever happened, whatever death he got, and he, and he died quite a nasty death, he knew that beyond that, there was eternal life with God. Death isn't nice. Death 
natural death is unpleasant. And for many of us, death, when experienced by somebody we love, is really hard for us to take. But what changes that is when we know that that death is only the beginning of a new life with God forever. When that person has hope, knowing that because of the cross, whatever death we have in the natural, in the spirit, we will still be with God forever. We will not be in the kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of light. And that's the hope we all have. Every one of us that has put our faith in Jesus. You see, death has lost its power. Now, you know, we all go through stuff. You know, I can look around and I can see people and I, I know some of your stories. I know some of your struggles. I know some of the things you've had to deal with in your lives. Because while the Satan is defeated, he's not yet given up. It's like, yeah, okay, I know, I, I know, I'm going to, sometimes when somebody knows they're on the ropes, they fight even harder, even though they know, ultimately, they've defeated. And so life can still be difficult and still be tough. And, you know, it's not a question of saying, well, now that we've got that victory, everything's roses. That's not the case. But what I do know and what the hope I have in my heart, and I hope the hope you have in your heart, is that after all of that, despite all of that, at the end of the day, there is something greater that we have. Everlasting life with God. This is momentary. We sing a song about that, don't we? You know, this is about momentary. Okay? It is momentary. It doesn't feel it at the time. Believe me, I'm a, you know, I know that. And you think, oh, crikey. But when we start to begin to see that actually there is a whole lifetime, there are, you know, 10,000 years and beyond when we will be with Christ, we will be with God. This is momentary. And Jesus promised that. He said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. We have an eternal heavenly home. We don't have to worry about what will happen after we die in our natural, you know, naturally, because we have a heavenly home that we can go to. We've been given the gift of eternal life. This is temporary. But it's very hard sometimes, isn't it, to get that perspective right. That this is temporary and we've got a heavenly home where we will be with 
forever. God is preparing a place for you and for me to live forever. Far greater than we can imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So, bringing it to a conclusion. The cross means we are, our future is secure. We can live in the freedom of the cross today. It provides a bridge to God to have that relationship with him. To have a, a personal relationship with the very God who made us and loves us. See, without the cross, we couldn't have done that. But the cross has made a way. As Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It means that we have forgiveness of sins. Jesus paid the price. And so whenever we do things wrong, we know we can come back and we know we can have forgiveness. He took our sin and our shame and nailed it to the cross. It says in Ephesians, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave sins. And it provides freedom to all who believe. Freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from fear, freedom from disgrace, freedom from worry, freedom from hopelessness, freedom from despair, freedom from addiction, freedom from guilt, freedom from darkness, and eternal separation from God. If the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Not only, however, are we forgiven, are we cleansed, and are we set free, but we have that new life that Christ has promised us. He changes us from the inside. He renews our minds. He changes our hearts and our desires. And he gives us fresh purpose for every day that is set before us. As it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And what of the resurrection? What of the resurrection? Because the two go together, don't they? You see, everything happened at the cross. The resurrection didn't save us. It wasn't the resurrection, the, the, um, Jesus coming back to life, 
that defeated Satan. It wasn't the resurrection that has given us all the promises that we have. Everything that we have is because of the death of Christ, the cross. What the resurrection did was show us and the devil that death was beaten. That's what it showed. Because when three days later Jesus rose from the dead, it was like, oh yes, everything you've said has come true. Death has been beaten. Amen. Death was beaten at the cross. The resurrection was the living proof. He didn't stay dead because death was defeated. The power of death was broken. And we can live in that same power today. Last week we were reminded that God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and moves in us and through us each day. Often we forget that we have that power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The living hope, the power to live beyond our circumstances, to live above the situations we're in. We have that because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So there is so much to be grateful for when we talk about the cross. That's where it all happened. That was the turning point of history of mankind. I want to finish. I'm going to come back. We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to sing another song in a minute. And it seems suddenly the last three weeks is what we've done. I don't know why. But it's just God just put this song on my heart. The greatest day in history. Because it is the greatest day in history. And sometimes I sing that and think, oh yeah, it's for the resurrection. Well, yeah, yeah. It was the cross. I want to read from this book. If any of you really want to look at what the cross was all about, then John Stott, The Cross of Christ. I mean, it's hardly, not a riveting read, I can assure you. All right? But I tell you what, this guy, uh, John Stott, is a very well-renowned, um, well-established, and highly uh, recommended Bible teacher. And he goes into it scripturally the whole essence of the cross, everything about it. And you can see there's an awful lot in there. I mean, I've touched on one part. There is so much more. And if you want to really look into it and say, yeah, I just want to really know again what it means, what the cross uh, has done, what it means for me. I can't recommend this book highly enough, but it'll, it'll, it'll take a while, but it's really good. And I just want to read this last bit. John Stott talks about the book of Revelation, and I can, can, I can never understand the book of Revelation. 
Okay, it's a, it's a, yeah, but it's about the future. And, it, and it, what it does show is it shows and reveals the kingdom of God that we are going to be in. Okay, and it also reveals what has happened to Satan, the fall of Satan. So I want to read what he says. The message of the book of Revelation is that Jesus Christ has defeated Satan and will one day destroy him altogether. It is in the light of these certainties that we are to confront his continuing malicious activity, whether physical through persecution, intellectual through deception, or moral through corruption. How then can we enter into Christ's victory and prevail over the devil's power? How can we be numbered among the overcomers? Do you want to be an overcomer? I do. It says this, firstly, we're told to resist the devil. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Again, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We are not to be afraid of him. Much of his show of power is bluff. Since he was overthrown at the cross. And we need the courage to call his bluff. Clad in the full armour of God, we can take our stand against him. We're not to flee from him, but on the contrary, to resist him so that he flees from us. Our own feeble voice, however, is not sufficiently authoritative to dismiss him. We cannot say in our own name, as Jesus could, be gone, Satan. But we can do it in the name of Jesus. We have to claim the victory of the cross. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Christ victorious, who defeated you at the cross, be gone, Satan. It works. He knows his conqueror. He flees before him. Secondly, we are told to proclaim Jesus Christ. The preaching of the cross is still the power of God. It is by proclaiming Christ crucified and risen that we shall turn people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And so the kingdom of Satan will retreat before the advancing kingdom of God. No other message has the same inherent force. No other name is defended and honoured by the Holy Spirit in the same way. Both in our own lives and in the church's mission, it is only the cross of Christ by which Satan has been defeated which can prevail against him. It is still true today that they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Uncompromising witness to Christ is essential. But indispensable to both is the content of our faith and is the content of our faith and message, namely the objective, decisive victory of the Lamb over all the powers of darkness, which he won when he shed his blood on the cross. I'd like to just pray, and then we're going to come back and we're going to 
celebrate the cross. We're going to celebrate the greatest day in history. Yeah? But I want to pray first. First, I want to pray for people who are watching, listening, or if you're here this morning, who've never submitted their lives to Jesus, who've never come and said, yeah, I want to, I'll believe in this. I believe what you've done. I believe in the cross. Because today, you can come out of the darkness and into the light. It's already been done. All you've got to do is choose to accept what God has done already. And that's sufficient for you to have life everlasting with God. If that's you this morning, whether you're watching, listening, here, I just want to pray right now. Father, I thank you. You've done it on the cross. It's all done. It's finished. There is nothing more we can do or you need to do in order to defeat the devil. But Father, what we do need to do is confess our faith in what you have done on the cross through Jesus Christ. And to ask you to forgive our sins so that we can come into that amazing relationship with you. So I just want to pray for any person here this morning or listening online who wants to pray that prayer, Lord, I submit to you. Come into my life. Make me new. Take me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen. If you pray that, believe God, you'll, you'll know. God will, God will do something right now in your heart. But I also want to pray for all of us who have made that commitment. Because sometimes we can live our lives, can we not, like the disciples when they first saw what happened on the cross in fear. We can forget what the cross has done. We can live still in the fear of death, the fear of our future, the fear of what might happen. But I believe that God wants us to live completely and fully in the freedom that the cross has provided for us. To be those overcomers in all situations. We sang, I'm no longer a slave to fear. But did you actually believe it? You see, it's not about singing it. The more I sing it, the more I'll convince myself. It's about convincing and recognizing the truth of the cross. That is what allows us to live victorious and as overcomers. Father, I thank you so much that we are to be and we are, you know, we are overcomers. We are a victorious people because of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, that he gained the victory and, and yet, amazingly, we can live in the freedom that that victory provides.
And Father, I want to pray for anyone and everyone here for that freedom. I pray for the freedom, Lord, to live in all that the cross has done. And for anybody here that feels that they are still chained or bound or um, under anything, where they feel shackled and, and, and not in freedom, Lord, I pray for that freedom to come right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for a greater revelation for each one of us of what you did on the cross through Jesus Christ. That we can then live in the truth of that. Live in the freedom that that has provided. Be overcomers. Be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens me. Father, help us to do that. To show the world what it means to live in the freedom of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.